0: This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is online access to licensed counselors. It's therapy you can do from your couch. So if something in your life is making you feel stuck or unhappy or frustrated and you could use some help... Try talking to a therapist and start with BetterHelp. All you have to do is fill out a quick online survey and they'll match you with a counselor within 48 hours. And if you don't like that counselor for any reason, you can switch to a different person free of charge. To try BetterHelp and also really help out our show, you can head to trybetterhelp.com slash me and you'll get 10% off your first month of therapy. Help Me Be Me is self-help for people who hate self-help, hosted by me, Sarah May. What I talk about on my show is my personal opinion, and it is not a substitute for professional help. I'm not a therapist, and this is based on the tools I use in my own life. Take what helps and leave the rest. If you're really suffering, call 911 or your local emergency services. And it's Sarah Mae. This is an episode, uh I'm going to say it's about relationship fights across the board kinds of relationships and any kind anytime you find yourself in a repeated loop of conflict where you're kind of pissed off and resentful. So it's for anybody who has like maybe a predictable fight in their lives, it's like recurring, maybe you're really frustrated at someone else and what they are not doing and you think they should be doing. Or maybe you find yourself exploding at another person. and Or maybe you're not exploding. Maybe you just feel intense resent. And this could be anyone. So maybe it's a close friend, maybe it's a boss, or maybe it's a parent. Basically, any close relationship. So this has a little bit of overlap with another show that was called What the Fuck Happened When Good Relationships Suddenly Turned Bad? I recommend that episode if you are attracted to this topic. Um, So I would say this episode is kind of inspired by two different books, two of my favorites actually. I'm going to put links to them in the show notes if you want to expand your knowledge. Um, The previous episode was really based around uh, the book called Intimate Partners that's by a journalist named Maggie Scarf. It's an amazing book. Amazing. I recommend it to everybody I know. And the book that this is more kind of inspired by is called The Dance of Anger by Harriet Lerner. And again, I'm going to put links in the show notes. Um, And I decided to do this episode because like many people right now (laughs) during COVID, um, when you're going nonstop and you're maybe not sleeping through the night and you kind of internalize, maybe you don't to speak your needs as often as you should. It's that thing where you keep going and going and going, and then one day you explode. So you don't even realize you have anger built up. Um, I don't know if you handle emotions like that, but I tend to internalize anger and keep going through the motions. And but that doesn't mean that the anger is gone. So as this was happening to me, I kind of became curious about um, what. What was happening? Because I really didn't like that self. I really did not like the exploded self. <laughs> um, and what I learned was not only reassuring, it also altered the way um, I can process my feelings. It, it really was empowering. Um, so that's what kind of this is aimed at doing, is passing along the information that I think is the most relevant. Because really what happened um, is I just altered one step in the process and that changed everything else around it. So to be clear, this is not about how to not be angry. It's how to deal with things that make you angry because I would say anger, contrary to what many self-help types of figures say or think, I feel like anger is a necessary and healthy emotion and it's self-protective. It's activating. It tells us when something is wrong. It tells us when something hurts us. And it's like an alarm, an inner alarm system. It tells us when we need to make a change or when we need to protect and honor ourselves. Side note, when it comes to children, I would say that that's this is a slightly different. That would be a different episode because anger when it comes to kids is often activating to their anger and their misbehavior. There's a great New York times article about this in particular. I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well, but it's about tantrums and basically kids react to our, the mirror neurons activate their emotions. And because they're missing the ability to self-regulate, like in terms of brain development, they cannot calm themselves down. So when we get upset, it makes them more upset. It's not helpful. Um, anyway, I digress. That's not what the show is about. Here we go. As with all of my episodes, there are three parts. The what, the why, and the how, the tools. So this is part one, the what. Those patterns that develop in relationships where you are always finding yourself in a position of anger or resent. And maybe it's because a person asks too much of you, or they don't do what you think they should do, or they say things that piss you off and press your buttons and you end up exploding. So whatever leads up to it, this person makes you angry and in this situation you feel powerless because this thing recurs, this fight recurs. A common situation that you might find yourself in is, I have to do blank, like I have to clean up after them or everything will be dirty or I always have to bail them out of jail or otherwise their lives will fall apart, etc. Part two, the why. Uh, Well, this particular why is not about why this other person does what they do. It's about why this is a reoccurring situation in your relationship. Because you can change everything in your life just by changing yourself. Including the relationship and the, the issue that's in your relationship. So this is really about us taking responsibility for our own feelings when we have them. And... Taking responsibility for all of those feelings. Because I think when we get into situations like this. We feel like they have made us feel bad. They have. This other person has made us um, feel like stepped on. Or abused. Or discarded. Or unseen. Or etc. But we. When we take responsibility for all of the feelings we have. From start to finish. That is where we can find our power. And with that our freedom from the situation. So it's really about deciding how we want to address the feelings we have about around the situation at every stage without placing blame on the other person because truly no one makes you feel the way you feel. And I'm, just caveat, I am exempting from this topic a situation where you are being abused. Like if you are being... Um, intimidated and physically threatened by another person, that is not, this is not an episode for you. This is not about physical abuse or domestic violence or intimate partner violence. I'm not talking about that. Okay, just wanted to make that clear. Um, So back to what I was saying. No one makes you feel the way you feel because even though it doesn't seem that way, your feelings, you get to choose how to handle the facts that are someone else's actions and words. In all relationships, uh, it's a circular dance. So I want you to picture you're holding hands with this other person and you're dancing in a circle. And what we choose to do also alters the other person and how they continue to dance. I would also add that in relationships, we are always negotiating our distance and closeness all the time. Like, so those two, the way you hold your arms in that circular dance is always being negotiated by these little tiny nuances that are happening. Um, and we're constantly kind of going back and forth, maintaining a very specific distance from that person or a very specific closeness to that person so you can think about a uh, romantic relationship in this way like this is an easy way to recognize when something is happening that's similar to this like I want you to just in your mind's eye imagine a situation you're in a romantic relationship with somebody and maybe you piss them off you say something that offends them accidentally immediately you in order to reestablish the closeness you would say something jokey or nice to reset the status quo. So that's like an example that's pretty overt, but like stuff like that is happening all the time. We're constantly trying to readjust our closeness and our distance to somebody. And as we do that, oftentimes we don't see our unconscious need for that person to play their same part. We need... It's like we can't even tell unconsciously that both of us want to... Some parts of us want to maintain that same um, level of distance and closeness by our respective dances. And we won't even notice that until a person changes. And you might find that you, you start to push them to reset where they were. Just... it's It's that unconscious that you can't even tell. Like if somebody, for example... If you're the one that is got everything under control all the time, you're the one that makes shit happen. You're the one that takes care of everything, and they're the lazy one that does not do anything. As soon as they start to grow out of that role and like be more responsible, you might find yourself pushing them back into that prior position, and that is just based on like these very ingrained habits, like identities that we hold. It's so unconscious and oftentimes we're maintaining something that's not healthy for either person or that's keeping you trapped in a pattern of fighting and like um, one person is usually over, overactive in one role and the other person is underactive in another role and both positions cause each person to feel resentful. Um, but you know, it's they're they're also ingrained. It's like we often have these like unseen contracts to do these types of dances with people because we can't tell that it's actually keeping um a sense of connectedness for us like to have someone be reliant on us can be a safe feeling because it keeps us tethered a feeling of security like we'll crave this the feeling of security and oftentimes couple will maintain it because they can't see that it's really the only thing keeping them together. So it's like something you're unconsciously doing as a way to stay bonded for fear for drifting apart of drifting apart. Um, so we'll oftentimes have these kind of unseen contracts that are like, I'm agreeing to vent all the anger for both of our, both people in the relationship, or I'm the partner who's agreeing to maintain the closeness and the neediness for both people in the relationship. So like one person will compensate for the other person and, but both people need that role to be fulfilled. So you might be the person who is responsible for venting all of the anger for both partners in the relationship. One person might be the one who pushes away. That means the other person has to cling. We all are playing a role that maintains the status quo. Um, it's this weird, sick dance that we get stuck in. So each person has both needs, in, but one person has to fulfill them, if that makes any sense. So this is all invisible until one person changes their position. I would say another common situation for people to end up in is also we triangulate to a separate person or a separate issue as a way to manage like a threat to that dance. Like to maintaining the status quo. So for example, like if there's an issue, like if you have anger um, toward this other person at something they're not doing, if that is too inconvenient for the relationship, you might triangulate something unrelated as a way to vent that pressure or vent that anxiety. So, like, you might find yourself talking about, like, the dog's food. And, like, I don't want you to do, or I want you to use that bowl when you feed the dog its food. Something so inane and ridiculous. A lot of people, if you have children, use the children to vent their, the pressure and the anxiety. So, like, what often happens is, like, the kid and how the kid is parented will become the topic when the issues have nothing to do with that at all. And the shitty part of stuff like that is the kid's, compensate for the parents by acting out what is kind of being asked of them. So like kids will take on the role of like, I'm the problem child that takes the focus away from the parents fighting. I digress. Um, but anyway, when we start venting our pressures from whatever it is, like between the relationship via like some other unrelated topic... Often we can't see what the actual cause of the anxiety or the anger or the neediness is because it's something very embedded from our family of origin. And a big one for people to experience is like emotional turmoil at a milestone that is tied to something very early on in life. Um, Like, for example, like the loss of a parent is a huge one, a divorce. In your family of origin or an illness, anniversaries are really powerful in how this comes up in our bodies. And if, for example, if you were a child and you had, let's say your parent had an illness and you had a lot of like stress and anxiety over your parent, possibly not being there for you. When, if you have children, when your child gets to the age, when this occurred for you, that tends to be a huge trigger for people. And they won't even notice it. They won't even realize what's coming up for them. And usually what we do is we compensate by looking at the most logical thing as a catalyst. So we look at, oh, it's because you are not doing enough of the grocery shopping. That's why I'm freaking the fuck out every day. It's like, or it's because you're not doing dishes or whatever it is. So I would invite you to reflect for a moment on whether or not you might be triangulating in another person or another topic or several topics when your anger arises. Like, in other words, is it about what it's about? I am mean, gonna guess it probably isn't. Um, or the, at least part of it isn't, you know? Is it something like, do you feel they're a little too distant for your comfort level? Is it making you anxious? Are you trying to... Um, provoke more attachment, like closeness. See, just do a little like searching, soul searching. Like what is it that's really coming up? Is something else, something old being dredged up? Because for me, for example, the most common reaction is a trigger of... I get triggered by distance. Perceived distance or perceived um, like depression or lack of connection. And when that happens, I... It's like a flood in my body and immediately I start to pick fights as a prov- way to provoke um, grounding, like I need to get grounding. But because I'm so familiar with this now, it's like I have a map. So I ha- I can like pull out the map when that happens. It allows me to circle the wagons and I can manually bring about sanity in myself despite the fact that the trigger is blinding and it's deeply embedded in my muscle fibers So that's kind of what I want to help you begin to do if anger is coming up for you in very specific situations is like help you start to build your own map out of what is occurring for your particular person. Which brings me to part three, the how, the tools. So this is really about starting to recognize your part in what is happening, how you are maintaining it, and if necessary, accepting that this is what you want maybe you do want this maybe it is really helping you guys stay together and you don't want out of this relationship or maybe it doesn't maybe it doesn't serve you and it makes you feel small and crazy and makes you not feel respectful of yourself to be in provoked to this state in which case maybe you want to change so blanket statement for this tool section the goal across the board is calm and non-aggressive, non-blaming communication of one's own needs separate from what the other person says or does. So this is really about the drawing of boundaries based on what you need for yourself in a way that allows you to feel in control of yourself and maintain some self-respect. So that's the goal here. Alright, with that, the first tool is called a pee in the potty for the blue treat. (laughs) That is something that is so prevalent in my life right now. Um, My son calls, he really wants blue treat, which is either a blue jelly bean or blue ice cream. I don't know why he likes blue, but we're potty training. So when he pees in the potty, he gets blue treat. Okay, so this is my metaphor (laughs) tool for you for how to negotiate how you want to deal with anger that arises at a given time. So, you know, you get to decide what you want to make of the situation, like what you want to make of the thing that's happening. The goal is really to notice when we are pissed at someone else for doing or not doing something and choose what we want to do about that for ourselves. Like, you know, what is this, what is the best ideal for you in this situation if you are capable of maintaining a boundary and saying like let's say it's about cleaning like if you're gonna say like you know what I'm doing all the cleaning I'm just gonna not do all the cleaning because it's their job to do cleaning if you can maintain that boundary awesome that's your blue treat if not if you want to give yourself the gift of cleaning because you need it to be that way that's your gift instead You are allowed to negotiate in the moment what you can and cannot live with just you on you based on the facts. And you can reframe it as this is what I will do for myself. I will clean for myself. I'm not cleaning because of maintaining this sickness. It's because I, I literally have to give myself that gift. Um, for example, if you cannot live with having unpaid bills, you can pay the bills to take care of yourself. In the process of learning to draw boundaries, you get to choose what your, um, keeps you the safest. Put it that way. Next tool is called Just the Facts. Um, okay, when you deliver information to your partner or to whoever this is about your boundaries and your needs, as a rule of thumb, just make them as plain, plain-spoken, factual, and past tense as possible. So expect that when a person hears whatever your your decisions are, they're going to try to provoke you into the old dance. And really what you have to keep doing is just restating your needs, absent of anything they say or do, and take a pause. Like, whatever they say has no bearing. It's really about you having, you're delivering like a letter with your decision in it, you know? Has nothing to do with like their reaction, and what usually happens is the other person will provoke, and it'll they'll double down on being provocative. They'll start to challenge you and test you um, to see if you're really going to adhere to this new boundary you're setting, and and your job is really just to continue to state your needs clearly without blame, without. Raising your volume like as peacefully and neutrally as possible. It's not easy, but it's well worth it. And what happens when you're able to do that peacefully is you feel a new sense of your own power. It's like it's, it's such a, a liberating uh, experience. All right. These tools should probably have been in a different order. Sorry about that. All right. Next tool is called Observe the Dance Steps. So the first step in change is observing what is happening. So I want you to begin to examine the relationship that has this recurring fight or resentment or whatever it is and write down in your journal just what happens. What is it that happens? It's really hard to identify this if there are fights happening where you blow up because you're probably going into a blind state where you can't even remember. But just look for what are the buttons that get pushed to set off your anger? Like the next time, I think it's easier to study this the next time it happens. Just notice what are the trigger words? What are the trigger topics? Um, What are the signs that like the storm is coming? What are the things that are starting to set it up? Is it distance? Is it glances? Is it body language? Like um, staccato types of like physical movements? So for me, for example, that would be raised tones, a particular set of phrases. Um, I also know that like, because I don't sleep through the night, I, my fuse is so much shorter. So it really doesn't take much to get my brain to latch on to something. And that can just activate anger in itself. But for you, that might be, you know, feeling ignored or like if you say something and that whatever you've said is not acknowledged or not being trusted to make the right decision for yourself or always being something always being assumed about you. I don't know. So maybe you stew and then you blow up and then you feel guilty and you always apologize and then you feel even angrier because your needs from the beginning were never validated, which makes you feel even more frustrated, but also makes you feel guilty, etc. Whatever it is. Write it down in linear order. It might might look like a circle. But this is really just about noticing the ingredients of the process in your life. Because just like when you're trying to overcome any autopilot in your life, for example, drugs, there is a moment that you still have autonomy. There's a moment in that circle very early on before you get into, before you're on the drug, there's a moment back, back, back that you can stop yourself And it's really about finding that last moment in that process when you still have lucidity and control. All right. The next tool, stop dancing. So this is the number one tool I would ask you to try if you are a person who goes into like a blind rage or you are the one that snaps. So basically, just step back. Step back from the rhythm and ask for calmness. Close your eyes, like whatever moment you're in, close your eyes. I put my hand over my heart. Um, Step back from the dance and just ask, like, please help me to stay calm. And just maintain a a calm, neutral, non-blaming. Like if there's a rope being pulled on either side, give slack. As much as you can, give slack. Maybe you apologize Maybe you acknowledge what they they are saying as valid, basically giving where you might normally combat, and you this when you start to do this, you'll notice that your dance partner will start to provoke even harder. They'll start to try and press the buttons that they normally press that activate you. Um, just it, like similar to like if you know that let's say a parent loves to talk about one specific topic. Like when you see them, you start talking about that topic. The same programming exists in fights where the person you will start to recognize, like they're trying to provoke this chain reaction to occur because it's a familiar dance. So just as soon as you can set an intention to, if you know you're in the anger zone to take a deep breath and step back and allow yourself to reset. For example, Maybe you go take a potty break and you do some resetting in the bathroom by yourself. Um, But a lot of these patterns we follow are so unconscious. It's like, it's really about noticing when it's ramping up, stepping back and giving slack. And that's when you start to recognize, oh my fucking God, I have so much more power and um, clarity about what's really happening in this state. So part two of this tool I'm calling, who's leading this two-step? So I want you in this process to check out who is in your fights, whatever this repeating fight is. Check out who is underactive and who is overactive. Like, if you're the one that's feeling enraged, then it's likely the other person is overactive in some way in the current roles of your dance. Like, that person is taking too much control or they're overstepping. Um, like if the person who's feeling the most resent is usually the one that's being ignored somehow or often, I would say, but it's always circular. So just recognize like what each person does in this fight and what is causing it. Like, cause one person will alter the other. So if you notice that your friend is overactive, let's say maybe they overstep you have to practice stating your needs in a calm manner and drawing a new boundary that allows you to come back into the area of control that you need. Like you, You've you got to alter this dance step so they're not overactive, so you are more active. I hope that makes sense. I know this is really bizarre lingo, um, but that is how we force change. And I can tell you firsthand when I did something... When I did this in my own life, you will notice that it makes the other person bait you so much harder. And they will try and force you to reset it. But you have to just not take the bait and continue to act from a place of calm, non blaming neutrality. I would recommend applying Tara Brock's pause. And if you don't know what pause is, I mean, it's basically just one, one thousand, two, one thousand. It's like taking a beat before responding. Um, Because oftentimes when we get into these states of blowing up, we're just reacting. We're so reactive that we don't have a choice. So pausing, in short, is allowing yourself to count to like, let's say three, instead of reacting automatically. And if you are incapable of doing that currently, rest assured, it's a muscle you can grow. And you can practice by um, doing it before any kind of like automatic reaction or automatic thing you do in your life. Like for example, if you just unconsciously brush your teeth, like before you brush your teeth, like let's say you put the toothpaste on, count to one, 1,000, two, 1,000, three, 1,000, just teaching yourself how to pause by repeating it in normal situations that are normally unconscious. And in the moment, if you're in a fight, those three seconds will feel like an eternity, but that is how you grow a reservoir for self-control that you can use even when you're triggered. All right, the next tool, mouth <laughs> Um Okay, so if you are in need of alignment between your actions and your words, I want you to just take note of that. Because I think a lot of the time when we feel like we're forced into... Um, things that piss us off like by another person like ah oh, i have to do blank or they make me do blank or i'm not going to do blank anymore we'll say things and we won't follow through with them with our actions and it's really important that you align what you say and what you do if you're going to be able to start setting healthy boundaries and taking responsibility for yourself and any patterns that you are currently maintaining so if somebody else doesn't want to change why would they if you are supporting the current loop by like saying like, I'm done with this and then doing it anyway. Like they're, you're you're supporting them being the same unconsciously. For example, if you say to your partner, I need you to be faithful or I'm done. And then this person is not faithful and you continue to stay with them. It's like your your words and your actions are not aligned and you are maintaining the current situation. So when you align what you say and what you do, that's when you are the most powerful in your own um, intentions. It's like it becomes really clear what's happening. And that's how we can make the most effective change. And that's also we, we when we can actually start to respect ourselves more. We can take our own words seriously. It's amazing what this does for your confidence and your own sense of self-trust. It's also like... It's suddenly things become easier to change. Like we maintain dysfunction unknowingly by um, acting against our own words. All right. The next tool is a mantra. This is an Al-Anon one. I use it a thousand times a day. Let go and let God. I know God's a trigger word though. You can also say let go and let good. But it basically is a reminder to yourself after something has happened just to let go. And, let, and know that whatever happens is not up to you. And that's a good thing. So just all you can do is honor yourself and come from love and then let the rest go. It's like, almost like, huh, it's a little sigh of like, all right, this part is not up to me. I just have to step back and witness. All right. And this last tool is a family tree. It's a t- This is a tedious process, having done this before. It's a fucking pain in the ass, but it's helpful to seek out any patterns that might have a tie to old experiences in your life. Um, and it might seem like, I know for me just hearing this from like for the first time, I'm like, yeah, I don't know though. I think that's a little far-fetched like for patterns to repeat from family of origin. It seems like a little bit, I don't know, In theory, maybe, but no, I don't think that's really happening. I do think this is an exercise really worth doing. Um, And if, you know, if it helps, treat it like a horoscope with curiosity. Like it's like a little parlor game. Um, But the goal is really just to like draw a family tree, look at um, the ages of major events that like how old people were when major events happened and any milestones and any broken relationships and just mark them wherever you see them in your family of origin. And then in your partner's family of origin, if this is a relationship, like a romantic relationship, um, and if anything occurred in your life, just take note, like big milestones and when those occurred. And this will take some time and you know, it's, it'll be kind of (laughs) tedious, but like it will give you a map to notice where possible overlapping circumstances are happening in your life today. Because if you notice that, like, for example, you had um, a relationship with your parent that was really similar, and you start to see the same kind of feelings are happening in your current relationship, that'll just give you, like, kind of a a list, a to-do list of stuff to excavate with a therapist. That is how we process our own feelings and work through the real depth of what they are versus kind of processing or repeating them through a new relationship or worse, passing them on to a child, you know? So I would say this is a really um, important keep of mind, especially for myself who has children. Like I really don't want to fuck up my kids. (laughs) So it's like keeping top of mind. These are the things that could happen in my life or or might be triggered in my adult life. I think that's a really helpful list just to have or something to look at for yourself. Um I digress. Well, I hope this was helpful and I hope it wasn't just like overwhelming and I know there were a a lot of different topics covered, but if you have any questions or you you wanna you know me to elaborate on anything, feel free to reach out. I'm at yaywithme.com. And before I close, I want to thank my latest sponsors, Vanessa, a new donation from you, thank you so much, and Melinda a new monthly sponsor. Thank you so much. And Celia, a new donation from you. Thank you guys so very much. You're all over the world. It's really cool. I'm really blessed and touched and I love reading all of your reviews and I love reading all your letters. Thank you guys so very much. If anyone out there has the means to make a donation, they really help this show. If not, I totally get it. If you have time to leave a review, those make me so happy. They thrill me to bits. And if not, if you have time to share it with a friend, that also helps me out a lot. So in closing, there is a dignity in having separateness and being able to take responsibility for our own emotions. It feels really good. It feels really empowering. Just having done this experiment myself, I can say, I think you'll get addicted to the feeling of composure and autonomy. Like not making it about what the other person says or does and just giving slack. Because it's like you don't feel as desperate or resentful or like down on yourself. And it's also a relief because you don't have to solve for the future and and what this other person will do or what they will say or how they will feel. All you have to do is be honest with yourself about what you need to do in order to live healthily and be loving. And after that, you have to let it go. It's not for you to choose. And you might find that some things you live with and some things you can't live with. But this will bring to light the things that need attention and things that might need to change. It reveals where we are maintaining things that are not serving us. And it is an enlightening process. And it's also incredibly empowering. And best of all, you will see yourself in a new light. As someone you like and respect it always makes us feel degraded and humiliated to lose our shit. It feels like out of body, like we don't know ourselves. So just the simple act of noticing when someone is pushing our buttons, like nudging us towards a specific reaction, we can gain enough composure to choose to step back from that dance. And that clarity is the start of change, of real change. When we stop dancing, it starts to force change. So I send you my love. I hope this helps you. And don't forget to smile. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery.